Welcome to another episode of Social PR Secrets. My name is Lisa Beyer, and I will be your host. So today we're going to listen to part two of my interview with Matt Wolf. If you don't know who Matt is, I'm going to go as far as to say that Matt is one of the masterminds of podcasts in general. He is the co-host of Hustle and Flowchart, one of my favorite podcasts, if you haven't already heard me say that a million times. He's kind of the numbers guy. He's the one that is crunching all of the different ways to figure out how to build an audience and grow your brand. So without further ado, please welcome part two of Matt Wolf's interview, where we get into all of the ins and outs of podcasting, marketing, and more. Welcome, Matt. The other topic I wanted to talk about that I know that you're brilliant in is the area of traffic, um, just traffic in general. Like you have the traffic playbook. Um, Mm -hmm. What are some traffic strategies that you love right now? And if you could talk about both organic and paid, because Mm -hmm. not every brand has the, um, um, the luxury of doing paid right now, especially if you're a brand in the cannabis industry. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you're, you know, like Ohio Energetic, CBD and health and wellness, like they don't, they can't do Facebook ads. They can't do Google ads right now and neither can their competitors. So what, what advice do you give to brands like that, that maybe for whatever reason can't do paid, but also what are mm-hmm. some, what are some of your favorite paid strategies? Yeah. So with, with organic, my favorite traffic strategy is actually going on other podcasts and just doing interviews. I mean, the, the same thing that we do on our podcast where we're interviewing people and they're sort of using us as an organic free traffic source. That's our favorite traffic source as well because it also it also helps with SEO, right? So if we're going on other shows, they're making a show notes page, they're linking back to us, that helps with our organic SEO as well. But just going on shows to get people to come listen to our show has been one of the best ways to grow our show because if they're listening to that podcast, then we know they listen to podcasts. So that's been a great organic strategy. That's also what we've recommended for people that are in like the CBD and THC and some of the more, according to Facebook and Google, more taboo spaces, right? Um, so going on podcasts is probably one of the best things companies like that can do to sort of spread the word, spread their brand. Um, you know, outside of that, Facebook groups have been really, really big for us. We have our own Facebook group around the Hustle and Flowchart listeners. Uh, that's worked really well and surprisingly drives a lot more traffic than we anticipated. Whenever we post links in that group, we actually drive quite a bit of traffic from it. So that's been really effective for us as well. Um, from an SEO standpoint, we do some SEO, but it's not a huge focus of ours. We have uh, WordPress installed. We have a Yoast WordPress SEO plugin installed. It's got a little thing where it'll um, tell you what you need to do to optimize your site. You just follow the instructions there and it sort of optimizes it for you. So that's really the, the only effort we put into any sort of organic SEO. Um, but yeah, from an organic free traffic standpoint, I'd say those were are kind of our core right there is going on podcasts, um, doing some very, very basic SEO and using our Facebook group and also going in other people's Facebook groups. You know, we'll, we'll have guests on our podcast that have Facebook groups of their own. When their podcast episode comes out, we always ask permission and say, hey, can we post this episode to your group? And we'll try to bring people from other people's groups into our ecosystem as well. So that's, that's been pretty effective. Um, something we've been ex- experimenting more with is, is Reddit. We have our own subreddit for Hustle and Flowchart. Um, that's something that any business could do is go create their own subreddit around their brand and build a community over on Reddit. 
Um, I don't have a ton of results there, but it's something we're experimenting with and kind of excited to see how that plays out. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much the, on the free side, what we're doing on the paid side. We mostly just play these days with Google ads and Facebook ads. Uh, we'll experiment with Twitter ads from time to time because you can get some really cheap clicks from it. But Twitter ads we found have a much higher bounce rate. People tend to kind of click over and click away real fast for some reason. So it's good for building out a retargeting pixel, but it's not good necessarily for driving a ton of uh, qualified traffic that's going to buy right away. Um, so mostly where we're operating is Facebook ads and Google ads. Speaking um, of bounce rates, Sarah from my team, I said, if you could ask Matt anything, give me some questions. So she wanted me to ask your opinion on bounce rate mm -hmm. in general. So, you know, bounce rate is when it comes to advertising, we're actually looking at the bounce rate quite closely, right? Because we don't want to pay for clicks over to our website. And, you know, a lot of people will get excited about the cost per click numbers and the amount of clicks they're getting off of ads and things like that. But if they went and looked in their Google Analytics and they saw that the average person that's clicking on that ad is sticking on your website for two seconds, well, that ad's not effective. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, I think it's important to to actually compare like your your paid traffic numbers on the traffic platform to the actual bounce rate. You know, I want to know are people uh, well, bounce rate and time on site. So bounce rate is kind of defined by, um, from my understanding, is is if somebody lands on your site and they don't click into your site any deeper, they kind of click away, that's considered a bounce, right? So I'm kind of more, as opposed to bounce rate, I'm kind of more looking at time on time site. Time on site, yeah. Yeah, so, because uh, uh, somebody could land on your page, theoretically, be on your site for a few minutes and then click back. And I think that's still considered a bounce in Google's eyes. Um, but if somebody lands on your site and you see that they're on there for five minutes and then click back, well, they consumed that content most likely. So the time on site is probably a little more important than the bounce rate is that's kind of more what we're looking at. But I, I do think it's important to kind of compare the numbers, you know, uh, cheap clicks are great, but if they're bouncing off, you're just wasting money. Yeah. And I think that it's pretty ironic, um, at least in the different experiences that we've had is how, um, a lot of social advertisers don't even look at Google Analytics, you know, mm -hmm. it, it, and I, we kind of live and breathe by Google Analytics. Like, you know, we look at everything and then, but we do look at, like you said, the quality of traffic that, that would be coming, whether it's from a paid ad or even from an article or from a press release, a paid distribution, we want to see, okay, you know, who's, who's, who is this attracting and is it worth it? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we also, we use another tool called Improvely which is kind of, it kind of combines your ad stats with like Google Analytics stats and sort of brings them all into one place for you. So we'll actually use that. You gotta, you gotta swap out some tracking links for your affiliate offers and things like that, but it will, it, it, it does a lot of that tracking for you. It actually kind of ties your, your cost per click numbers and your, um, you know, your conversions. It actually has a conversion pixel. So it'll, it'll tie it all together and, and sort of give you a singular picture that kind of ties your Google Analytics and your, Facebook or Google dashboard, all the data you're looking for, it ties it into one place for you. So we use that as well. But um, um, how do you say it? it's improvely? Yeah, I think it's in, I think it's improve.ly. I can't remember okay. if it's improve.ly or just improvely.com, but <laughs> okay, I'll look it up. But when um, this chart that you have in your book here, mm -hmm. yeah, I, we, I really, we use this all the time with our strategies and with clients, you know, just the, how you use Google and, and Facebook ads to drive traffic to a blog post or, you know, something on your site and then like retarget that traffic. I mean, I just think that that's brilliant and just so, seems so obvious, but 
<laughs> you know, just so many, we just don't see it done being done, you know, yeah. like really taking that, that strategy where it's like different layers. Can you kind well, of think, walk through that strategy? Yeah, sure. So I, I think, I think so many people are concerned about trying to get the sale on the first point of contact with you. People want their ads to drive traffic to a sales page and they want, you know, they want that traffic to convert, but we've found that that's quite difficult, right? The first time they ever meet you, meet your brand, meet your offer, you're expecting them to go, Oh, this is, this is great. I'm going to buy it right now. And that's not the norm, right? Most people, they take multiple touch points before they finally buy your, your product. So when it comes to cold traffic, so if somebody does a search term and we put an ad in front of them on Google, or if we're running Facebook ads to like a cold audience, let's say we're running to fans of Frank Kern or something like that, right? That that's a cold audience. They're, they're, they're people that may not necessarily know us, know our brand, know our product yet. So when we're running to these cold audiences, we prefer to run cold audiences to content as opposed to an offer. We want them to get to know us first. Same, same sort of theory that we have with the podcast of that being the top of funnel. We want you to get a, to know us, our expertise, why you should be following us, what, you know, what things you might potentially enjoy about us. Once you kind of know us, you're much more likely to buy from us. So with our cold ads, that's what we're doing. We're driving uh, Google search traffic to um, a blog post or Google search traffic to a podcast episode or the Facebook cold targeting to a blog post or podcast episode, get them to know us. And then based on what stuff they've clicked, then we're able to put more relevant offers in front of them. So if they did a search on Google for um, I'll give an example because we promote Thrivecart is one of our affiliate offers that we promote heavily. If they search Google for like best shopping cart tool or something like that, we can put a piece of content in front of them that talks all about the various shopping cart tools and Thrivecart and how it compares to the other ones and why we like it better. And it's just pure content, just pure value. Yes, there's some affiliate links throughout the content, but we're not expecting the sale on that first click. But once somebody clicks on that article and reads that article, we now know, okay, this person is actively shopping for shopping carts right now. So now when we retarget them, we'll retarget them on Facebook or retarget them with Google display network ads. Now when we're retargeting them, now we're driving them to something that's pushing a little hard for the, harder for the sale. We'll push them to an ad that's, um, you know, maybe our bonus page for Thrivecart. If you buy Thrivecart through our link, here's some of the bonuses we'll throw in. We'll do that, but only after they've consumed some content from us. So by the time they see that second ad, they're like, oh, I remember these guys. I, I read an article by them earlier. Now we're putting a bonus in front of them. They already have seen what sort of value we can provide. And it's much more likely to convert on that second or third or fourth touch. Yeah, I love that strategy. And I just think that most brands do not do that. They just go straight for the sale or straight for the retargeting in Facebook or, or something like that. Um, so yeah. Um, what's your opinion on Facebook? Like, could you live without Facebook? Oh, easily. <laughs> uh, so, so Facebook for me is actually more of a nuisance than a blessing, if I'm completely honest. Like, yeah. um, I, so we use Facebook for our business. We obviously run Facebook ads and then we've got our Facebook group, which is the community of people who listen to our podcast. And, you know, Joe and I are both kind of this way. We have to, I actually have it on my daily task list to check into the Facebook group and make sure that I'm answering people's questions and leaving comments. And I have it on my weekly task list to check it on my ads and see what sort of comments have been left. If I didn't have those on my task list, I would probably go weeks without ever even looking at Facebook. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, to be completely honest, I'm not a huge social media person in general. If, if you look at my Facebook profile, my Instagram profile, my, uh, uh, Twitter profile, any of the, the major social media accounts, you'll notice that like, 
I post something once every six weeks, maybe. <laughs> it's just not, it's not my thing. I've just, I, I'd rather be doing what I'm doing in the moment. I, it's, it's never default in my brain of, oh, I should document this or I should share this with the world. It's, that's just not how my brain operates. I'm kind of more just whatever I'm doing, I'm doing that. I'm not thinking about, oh, I need to share this thing with other people. So I, it, it's interesting because we've had, you know, people tell us, oh, we should be doing more on social media. We should be sharing more of the behind the scenes. We should be sharing more of the lifestyle stuff. Like when I'm out camping with the family, showing some of that behind the scenes stuff. And I kind of agree. I think that would be helpful. It's just, I'm not wired that way to, to sort of be thinking about that when I'm out doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, and um, it, it yeah. might be better because you're already like doing your own, like we talked about digital detox before we went on. Like, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people are just so addicted to it and feel like they have to share every moment and share every behind the scenes that it's really like so stressful that it's, it's not doing them justice. It's really like, you know, actually yeah. taking them down, you know, <laughs> psychologically, you know, no, and I feel that way. I, I feel sometimes like I should be posting on social media because it's what people want from me or something. And I actually have like some guilt around not posting more on social media. Like people are expecting something from me, but it's, you know, that's all in my head. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was definitely much more active personally on Facebook and all social media, like from the beginning. And now I would say over the past two or three years, it's just become like in some ways personally toxic because I'm in it mm. with, for business, just like, you know, my, mm. it's part of what we do. So, you yeah. know, I'm in Facebook groups for, and Facebook pages and managing Facebook advertising and organic content and so I'm in it for work all day long and then it's just mixing it with like so much personal it just becomes it becomes toxic it becomes like you know you get sucked in you go down a rabbit hole that yeah. maybe you don't really <laughs> want to go down all of a sudden it's an hour later and you've read like and plus the media in general has become so negative that you're yeah. seeing all this negative news that you don't even know if what's true and what's not. So oh, yeah. it's just that's, that's, that's kind of the worst part about Facebook for me these days in our current climate is getting on there and somebody's posting a news article about how, you know, coronavirus is all fake. And then, you know, scroll a little bit farther and somebody's talking about how coronavirus just wiped out 20 people in some city. And I'm like, these two articles contradict each other. What's going on? And it's just all this sort of misinformation and confusing information. And that, that sort of thing has really frustrated me as well. But you know, the, the one thing, I used to use social media a lot more often. Um, so Perry Marshall, we were actually at one of his conferences one time, and he recommended everybody take it off of your phone. He's like, if you don't have it on your phone, you'll just think about it less. And so I actually deleted Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all those things off my phone. And, you know, I, it, I, I sort of jonesed for it for a couple of days, right? There was a couple of day period where I was like, when I was bored or like my mind didn't know what to do my default was grab from my phone and pull up a social media and just start scrolling and that would kill time for my brain right um and after two or three days of not having social media on there i lost that impulse to just kind of pull out my phone and start scrolling and then after not checking it from my phone so often i kind of forgot to check it from my desktop and then several months went by and i went oh crap i've only logged into facebook twice in the last two months you know so I, I have to find the balance personally because we, it has valuable implications for our business. I'm just not personally a fan of social media. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I actually might try that. You know, one of my friends and he's in baby bathwater mastermind with me, his name is Tim power. He actually lost his iPhone about, about eight months ago now. And he was just, he so frantic that 
then he realized this is ridiculous and he went out and bought a smartphone. And so he has not had a smart, I mean, he went out and bought a flip phone. Uh He has been without a smartphone now for like eight months and he carries around an iPad just, just for like, you know, cause you have to be able to function like for work or whatever, certain things. So, but he just carries a flip phone now and he does not miss, he said his life is so much less stressful from not having those constant notifications and he can text like the old, old school text and get calls and that's it. (laughs) And maybe take a couple pictures. I know, I know Joe Rogan on his show has talked about how he got a flip phone as well. Like, I think he still has an iPhone, but I think he says he doesn't carry it on him. He like, if people need to get a hold of him, call him on his flip phone. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's a good idea. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I am a tech nerd. I'm not a social media nerd, but I'm a tech nerd. So I am, you know, I, I do like the iPhones and the gadgets and, and, and stuff like that. But I did sort of realize at one point that I had this unconscious impulse of whenever my mind had nothing going on on it, I wanted to pull for my phone. And I just, I started to realize how often I was like reaching for my pocket to just flip through my phone and with, with zero intention behind it at all. It was just kind of an impulse to flip out my phone and look at it. And now it's like, I'll leave my phone in the other room all day and not even realize I don't have it on me. But you know, you used to have, I used to get that panic where like if I walked out of the house and I'd, I'd pat my pockets and be like, oh, crap, my phone's not, where'd it go? And you have like this moment of panic that your phone isn't in your pocket. And it's like, what is that? Like 15 years ago, before any of us even had cell phones, we didn't have this like impulse to have a, this tether to it. It's, yeah, I don't know. That, that's yeah. No, I know. <laughs> and it's funny, I was watching, um, like they had a, uh, like one of those, like uh, whatever, marathons of sex in the city. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching it. I'm like, wait a second. Or if you watch like old episodes of Friends, like nobody has smartphones. There was, it was before that. Like they're actually like the whole show, nobody has a phone. You know, it's yeah. so weird. And it's just, I don't know. <laughs> I want to go funny. back. It's my, funny. My wife and I, we've actually started binging The Office again. We've watched, we've seen oh, the yeah, entire that's another, series of The yeah. Office. And yeah. we started watching it again recently during all the quarantine stuff. Um, and it's just as funny the second time around, but, um, same thing. Like they're all on like flip phones and and stuff like that. (laughs) It's like, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's a a little time capsule with, with some of those shows. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, a couple of things I just want to cover. So Mm -hmm. what, what do you have coming up? Um, are you going to be, I heard maybe, um, are there some virtual conferences that you have going or that you're going to be a guest at that we can catch up with you? Um, so we're doing a virtual conference with the, the PodFest team. Um, I'm actually not sure the dates on that one, but I, we've, we've been doing these Friday meetings with them sort of planning this big, they're trying to break a Guinness Book of World Records for like most attendees for an event, an online event. Um, and they're, they're doing like this whole crowdfund campaign and, and all sorts of stuff, but I don't have the dates on that one exactly yet. Uh, we are speaking at Traffic and Conversion Summit, which as of right now is scheduled to be in December. Uh, whether it's going to be in person or virtual, that's still to be determined by, you know, the the climate of things right now. Um, mm-hmm. If I had to guess, I would say that will end up being virtual. But right now, they're still planning on doing it here in San Diego in, in December. So we'll be speaking at that. Um, other than that, we don't really have any any sort of speaking engagements or, or events planned. It's kind of 2020 seemed to clear the calendar pretty quickly. <laughs> well, you guys do a pretty good job on your, um, on your Facebook group that you do kind of pop up um, summits and things like that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I just think, you know, just head on over to Hustle and Flowchart. The, what is the, the URL for that, for the group? So, so the group is flowchartgroup.com. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I think 
if everybody just joins that, then they'll find out like when, when and where you guys are going to be in any type of events that you have going on inside the community. Yeah. And we do, we do, we don't have any planned right now, uh, but we've been talking about doing a round two of our affiliate marketing one. So we did a uh, kind of a mini summit. It was like a three hour back to back to back 30 minute interviews with people doing affiliate marketing stuff. That one was, uh, went over pretty well. And we actually had a bunch of other affiliate marketers come to us going, oh, I would have loved to do that. So we're thinking about doing a round two of the affiliate marketing um, mini summit kind of concept. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll see. We don't have any sort of dates planned, but it is something we've talked about. Yes. And if you're listening to this podcast episode, so if you're not that familiar with affiliate marketing, it's, I would say it's, um, and you're in the PR world because it just doesn't really come up in those terms that much, but it's similar to influencer marketing. I, I just highly recommend everybody get educated um, when it comes to affiliate marketing. And I think that you guys are a great source. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I, I, I feel like affiliate marketing has sort of had this dirty connotation. Like a lot of people see affiliate marketers as, as, I don't know. There, there's been a sort of scammy, spammy sort of aura around the affiliate marketing term. Um, and, you know, with me and Joe and guys like Pat Flynn and James Schramko and, and some of these other bigger names that are, you know, in my opinion, considered respectable, um, we're, we're trying to change that a little bit with affiliate marketing and show you like affiliate marketers are bringing value to the world. We're out there trying to, to educate and, and put tools in front of you that you may not be aware of. Um, I think where affiliate marketing gets a bad name is you get people out there that will do like mass emails to lists that they bought and try to promote affiliate stuff, or they, they use like really shady wording in their copy to try to um, influence people to buying products that they may not necessarily need, things like that. And the way that guys like us and Pat and James are, are sort of uh, approaching affiliate marketing now is let's just put an abundance of content into the world, let people know what's available out there. They'll make their own choices. If they make a choice as a result of the content we put out, we'll get a little cut of the sale, but we're not trying to be pushy. We're not trying to be scammy or spammy or, you know, send mass broadcasts to people who don't want to hear from us. It's all sort of permission-based uh, contents that people would value and then there happens to be some affiliate links scattered throughout. So we're trying to, to, to sort of change that world a little bit. We're trying to, to, to lead the charge a bit in like, hey, affiliate marketing is actually a valuable service for people. Yeah, definitely. So with that, do you have any last words of wisdom to, you know, maybe agencies, entrepreneurs, professionals on what they, what they should be doing right now or just advice? Well, so right now, I mean... It, we're in an interesting time with the whole COVID thing and everybody sort of stuck at home and doing the lockdown and all that sort of thing. And I think right now is the perfect time. If you're thinking about starting a podcast, it's a great time to start a podcast because people are available for interviews right now. People that would normally be doing a lot of traveling or having a lot of meetings or things like that are actually a lot more available. We're actually finding it much easier to get guests on our shows right now because of everybody's free time. So now is an amazing time to start a podcast. Um, if you don't want to start a podcast, I actually do think that going on other people's podcasts is one of the most valuable things you can do for your business to spread the word. Um, so yeah, I, I would say those are, are two things that in our current climate right now are probably two of the smartest things you can be focused on. Podcasting for PR. That's our motto right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, and I learned, <laughs> uh, I mean, think I'm just so grateful that I went to your mastermind right before the pandemic and had this whole kind of aha mind shift moment because during the pandemic is when I 
kind of got my shit together and put all my episodes together that I didn't even realize I had so many and, you know, was able to launch with like 50 episodes and, you know, did a ton of interviews because like you said, people were available. Yeah. And no, that's amazing. And, and we're so lucky to even have been able to do that conference. Cause it was like, we did the conference and then three days later, four days later, they announced, they started announcing all the lockdowns. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That was, it was, and it was like, but we did it, we did it. And now yeah. we're here. And, <laughs> You know, we all learned a lot and um, I'm going to, you know, be at PodFest, whether it's virtual or the next one. So mm-hmm. hopefully, you know, we'll be at a one in person again soon. But Matt, thank you so much. We will definitely be following you and I'll put all the links in the show notes so that everybody can join the community, which I have to say it is a community. It's not just a PodFest podcast. Yeah. It's a, it's a, <laughs> it is a community. Hustle and Flowchart. Awesome. I appreciate it. It's been fun. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Social PR Secrets. If you like what you heard, check out the book on Amazon or follow our blog at socialprsecrets.com. This episode was sponsored by The Buyer Group, a social PR agency striving to keep our balance in the digital world, practicing public relations, social media, and search marketing, while occasionally drinking a glass of wine or two for the best creativity and results. Thank you all for tuning in. If you would like to get a free chapter of Social PR Secrets, go to socialprsecrets.com slash free. Thank you for listening to this episode of Social PR Secrets. If you like what you heard, check out the book on Amazon or follow our blog at socialprsecrets.com. This episode was sponsored by The Buyer Group, a social PR agency striving to keep our balance in the digital world, practicing public relations, social media, and search marketing, while occasionally drinking a glass of wine or two for the best creativity and results. Thank you all for tuning in. If you would like to get a free chapter of Social PR Secrets, go to socialprsecrets.com slash free.